0: Welcome, Uh, we are uh, celebrating another day together and uh, in week two of a series that we began last week, Uh, it's called Uncomfortable, and uncomfortable for the reason that it's not necessarily wrong, it's just that when we think about it in light of what we're supposed to do, most of us struggle. Last week we spoke about uh, Uncomfortable Grace and recognising what grace is and isn't, and I was talking with my small group this week and we were coming up and I talked to them about the acrostic, um, you, you do know the acrostic of grace, G-R-A-C-E, uh, to explain what grace is, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, Um We came up with a different one. I'm not sure who it was. It came up a different one at at small group this week, but it was give Ron a chocolate every day. (laughs) That would be grace. (laughs) So I'm sure that you would enjoy that. And if you just think of the chocolate thing, you'll you'll be extending grace. That's good. But we talked about um, grace is not always comfortable because People, we, we need to extend grace to people that we sometimes don't want to because they don't deserve it. But in essence, that's what grace is, giving something to someone even though they don't deserve it. And it's uncomfortable for us to think about the fact that someone may benefit just because we, have, we decide that they should or God decides that they should. And God has given us unconditional grace He's extended his grace to us and if we think about it, it is uncomfortable in the sense that there are going to be people in heaven that perhaps you think and I maybe even think shouldn't deserve to be there but then when I think about that a little bit deeper, I realise that I don't deserve to be there either and so we recognise that. So today, right, uh, we're going to look at uncomfortable growth. Um, just so that you get a little bit of a leg up on this whole series, each of, the, each of the weeks will be a G day. So we've got grace this morning. It's growth. I will, you'll tell, I'll tell you next week what the next G is, so you're not getting too far ahead of myself. Uh, but the reality is none of us expect it sometimes, but growth is one of those things right from a very young age Even in a physical sense, growing up is uncomfortable. And I know you won't remember it for yourselves, but if you are a parent, you will remember as a baby, growing up means getting teeth. And no parent I know that enjoys that time of life when babies are starting to get teeth. They they drool a lot, they cry a lot, they they bite a lot and all sorts of stuff happens and it's uncomfortable mostly for the baby but they can make it feel uncomfortable for parents as well. And as we grow up it doesn't get any easier because as, as babies turn into toddlers it becomes uncomfortable for the parent as well as the toddler and then sometimes children experience Growing pains and then I think it becomes, it switches as they become a teenager, it becomes a problem for the, child, for the parent, uh, it becomes uncomfortable. But reality is growing up is uncomfortable, generally all round. And so, but what about us adults? What about, we, you know, you might think that we don't have to grow up anymore, but I would suggest that most of us should. Um, because we, we like to, th- our minds are much younger than our bodies are, most of us. And we think we can do a lot more than we really can and usually ends up in a lot of pain trying. But last week as we spoke about grace, it's not only important to understand and know Christ and experience God's grace, but the evidence of grace must start to show in our lives as we begin to become more Christ-like. So what what I mean by that is that If you and I have accepted God's grace into our life, that we've accepted his message and and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ like we spoke about last week, then our life must change. It must be different to that, to what it was before. We can't be living our life the way that we were living, decide to follow Jesus Christ which means a 180 degree turn and continue to do the things that we were doing. It just doesn't make sense either in the physical or the spiritual. So it's important to understand that when we grow up spiritually that our lives will change. I don't like using the word evolve anymore because of the whole evolution side of things, but that's what it happens. Our lives evolve into being more Christ-like, and for most of us, that growth of growing to be more Christ-like is uncomfortable. For me it is, and I'm sure it is for most of you. There are times when others will see things in my life, and perhaps you've got people in your life who will see things that they know are wrong and when they bring them to your attention or they bring them to my attention, my reaction is not usually good. Well, it's not that I lash out at them, but I just think, no, they're not. Oh, that's not true. I'm defiant because I don't like to admit sometimes that I, there are some negative things in my life that are, that are true. They're called blind spots and we all have them. If you don't think you've got a blind spot, that's your blind spot. Because we do. We all have them. We all have things in our lives where others see things about us that they should, that would be good to change, but we don't think they do. And I think that's the point. When people that we love and trust confront us on some of those things that we need to change or modify or just become aware of, that helps us to be able to grow the way that we need to be. If we think that we've made it and we don't need changing, we've probably got some help needed along the way, somewhere along the line. The thing about spiritual growth is that God wants to work in those blind spots and be the person for us to be the person that he created us to be. He doesn't want us to go through life half the person. And so the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 6 tells us very clearly that we are to therefore let us move beyond the elementary principles and the teachings about Jesus Christ and be taken forward into maturity. There's a process right there that he's talking about. It's not just knowing the basics anymore. We are to start moving forward into understanding maturity, not laying again the foundation of, of the basics and he's talking about repentance from acts of, that lead to death and faith in God and the instruction of cleansing rites and all of those things. But he's talking about telling us that we need to move on in maturity. It's a spiritual growth path that we all need to take. In other words, we ought to be growing both physically and spiritually, not going over the same things Over and over again, if you want to know your blind spot and you're not sure about your blind spot, the risk is here. Ask your spouse or ask your best friend. And you better trust that your best friend is brave enough to tell you, and you need to be willing enough to accept it without getting upset with them. You might not like what they have to say but don't let their answer break the relationship that you have with them because if you are having that confidence in them to do that, let them tell you. Even if they haven't quite got it all right, but they can see things that need to change, allow them to tell you those things. They might not have the answer, by the way. It might mean that you've got to go a little bit deeper and search in other areas, but I pray that you might have somebody in your life that you would have the courage to go up to and say, do you know what? I really just would like you to show me any blind spot in my life. If there's something hindering my growth, I trust you enough to tell me what I need to do. And I promise I won't smack you around the ears or get upset. So, un- so growing spiritually can be really uncomfortable Emotionally, it can be uncomfortable, but it's, it really is an essential part to our life as a Christian. Just as a baby does not stay a baby forever, in fact, if a baby did stay a baby forever, you would be looking for a doctor's help, wouldn't you? You would be, cr- you would be upset if your baby never grew teeth, for instance. Even though you don't like the period of time where, they, where teeth are coming through, It's an essential part of growth. But as a baby grows, so we too must grow if we are thinking about becoming the people that God called us to be. We need to grow. We we need to accept or once we've accepted God's grace and we've said we want you, Lord, to be Lord of my life, I want you to take control, there begins a journey of growth in every single one of us where we are able to begin to understand the character of Christ and and apply it into our own lives. In fact, it's God's desire that we grow. We don't stay immature babies forever and ever. We have a a requirement, if you like, a, a desire within us to grow, hopefully, and that once we have given our life to him, we really have no option to grow and the reason for that is if if we have given our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ if we have trusted him we're saying to him Lord I give my life to you now to do as you will and it's your desire that I grow then I don't have any options anymore do I? I don't have the I, I don't want to do that I don't want to grow that well if you're saying that to yourself or to something in your life that's happening, you're actually still not allowing God to be Lord or Jesus to be Lord in your life. You are still in control, and and that's part of the growth for us sometimes. And it may be the blind spot that some of us are finding that we are still taking control of things when we really shouldn't. We need to trust God with that. So the first thing we need to be able to answer, question that we need to be able to answer in all of this is perhaps for me, is who is my spiritual mentor? Who is the one that I can actually trust enough to be able to say, I trust you to tell me if there's if you can see blind spots in my life and be willing to accept even if I don't think they're right. And if they are, have said something that I don't think is right, maybe that's the point you need to start looking at. And I need to start looking at and think, well, maybe. What if, there's, what if they're half true? What if there's a partial truth there that I need to think about? Because I believe God has surrounded every single one of us with people in our lives that will help us to be able to grow physically, but also to be able to grow spiritually. And every single one of you helped me to grow. And I trust that every single person around you is helping you to grow. And we might be able to encourage one another. We don't get upset with one another because someone tells us something we don't like. or We don't get mad at somebody because they've actually criticised something that we've done. We love people and we accept people. where We become a family where we encourage one another to grow. And spiritual growth... Isn't something that just happens. Unlike physical growth, if if you providing you feed a baby and care for a baby and look after it, physically they will grow. That's just what happens. But the problem is with spiritual growth, it's it's not so natural. It's, in fact, it's not natural at all for us to grow spiritually because once we accept Jesus into our life, there is this force that comes in that says you don't need to do all that. You can stay the way that you are. You can do what you like because it's your life and it's your desire and your time. And so there's this sense in which inside of us when we move spiritually, growth isn't happening naturally. It's happening very... It, it's, it's a conscious choice that we need to make if we want to grow spiritually. And so what happens is that there can be people in church for their entire lives and really be fairly immature in their faith and that happens more times than most of us care to think about and that's really sad because if we think that we can come to church and read our Bible and we can pray and we can just be good people and enter into the kingdom of God we have missed what the scriptures tell us. It tells us that if we want to be in the kingdom of God there is only one way. It is through Jesus Christ and that is being by, by being born again, accepting his grace and allowing him to be living in us and through us so that the things that we do are pleasing to him. If you want to be in church all the time and not do anything, it's not going to be much good. It'll, you might feel good, but it's not going to be helping you grow. When we accept God's grace, the Holy Spirit begins to do something in us and work in us and helps us and guides us and and directs us to become the people that God wants us to become. And most of us are not really very good at being corrected. In fact, most of us react negatively to being corrected. And we get upset with people and we lose friendship sometimes over those sorts of things. But the thing is, if we are serious about our Christian walk, being humble enough and willing enough to be corrected is really, really essential. It might take us a a day or two or a week or two to get over some things that people say. But they should not be the things that keep us out of fellowship with one another. But as we come to terms with those things, as we bring them before the Lord in our own lives, that they will help, that God will show us and help us to be able to grow into the people that he wants us to be. The thing is, we we all need correction. All of us need correction. Some of you are not game to tell other people that there needs correction because of the reaction you expect. But we need to be willing to do that. In love... And keeping in mind what the purpose is, it isn't to pull people down, it's not to make them feel bad, it's not to to make you look better than them or me to look better than you. It's, it's about helping us all to grow and mature in our faith and that's sometimes not very comfortable at all to do and we can squirm and, and move around and think about things for a long time before they become a reality. But we do need correction because when we accept Jesus into our life, we begin this process of walking in the opposite direction to what we were once walking before. And there's going to be things that carry over. That you're going and I'm going, and I have many times found myself doing things and thinking things and and acting on things that I wish I'd never done. So how can we be... Sure, or how can we ensure that our growth, our spiritual growth is actually going to happen? Because as I said, it's, it's not something that generally happens naturally. It will happen if we put the right processes into place but we have to be really conscious about that. We, we can't just assume that now that I've accepted Jesus into my life that I can do what I want and live the way that I want and be the person that I want because it takes effort there are some habits that we need to form. And I want to just share a few of them this morning. Most of them are not new. In fact, probably all of them are not new. But I think it's it's a helpful reminder for us that if we are really serious about growing spiritually, that we need to form some habits that are contrary to our natural selves. Things that we will have to put into place and make a habit rather than just thinking that it will just happen we need to understand that it's not just ticking off some boxes so you can't say well in order to grow I've got to go to church tick I do that or if I'm wanting to grow I need to pray tick I do that Um, it's not like that It's, it's not about ticking off a whole heap of boxes because if it was then Jesus didn't need to come that's the bottom line. If Jesus, if, if it was about ticking off boxes, doing things that needed to be done, Jesus did ne- never needed to come in the first place. It's much more than about ticking boxes. Yes, we might be doing those things that we're ticking boxes for, but it's not what gets us to grow or helps us to grow. But we realise that some of those things do help us. So I want us this morning to start looking at some of these things that will convict our heart in in areas of spiritual growth. And if you have never accepted Jesus Christ, I need to say this right, right here, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your lives at all, I believe the very best thing that you could ever do in your entire life, the most worthwhile thing that you could ever do, is to seek him out. And the scriptures tell us that if you seek me, talking about God, if you seek him and seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. And if we seek him with all of our heart and find him and accept him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we live our lives for him, that will be, I promise, the very best choice That you will ever make in your entire life. It will begin to give you purpose. It will give you hope. It will give you assurance. It will give you purposeful living. It will change the way that you live. Right from the very start. I promise you that. It will make you feel physically different. It will make you feel lighter inside. like, Like something's been lifted off your shoulders. When you... Give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. It changes you. It releases you. It's like your chains have been broken. And so if you're in that position this morning, I want to say to you, think about what that might feel like. And I challenge you to seek the Lord with all of your heart and you will find him. He is real. He is waiting for you and he loves you. And if you have made that decision this morning you have an obligation just as I have an obligation to live and to grow and to mature and to become more like him every single day. It's, it's my obligation as it is yours because I have made a decision in my life that I want to follow Jesus Christ and I know that Jesus Christ is leading each one of us down a path of growth, of maturity. That's what Hebrews 6 said before. By now, it, it's about not going over the things from salvation over and over and over again. It's about moving on toward maturity. So what are some of these habits? Well, they're really straightforward and basic and, and I know that you'll all know what they are as they come up, but the first one that I want to start with this morning is begin to study the Bible. Not just read it, okay? I have purposely not put the word read in there because it's not just about reading because I think we can do this. We can open up our Bibles and we can read, 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 read and shut it up and go on and we have no idea what we have just read. And I would challenge that every one of you has done that. I've done it so many times and you get to the end of even a chapter and you think, my mind wasn't on that. My, I wasn't in the word of God. So if you want to grow spiritually, I challenge you to begin to study the word of God. You don't have to get formally sign up for studies everywhere and do all that sort of stuff. You can do that. Study the word of God and begin to compare passages with passages. Pray about it. Talk about it with other people. Dig deep into it. And if, if, you, if you're uh, finding that difficult, just don't try and read too much in one hit. Read just a few verses and think, well, what is that talking to me about? How is that challenging me? What do I need to change? Are there, are there things that I need to rethink? Is this challenging the way that I think or is this something that I agree with? If it's something I disagree with, Who's wrong, me or the word of God? We need to think about those things. So when the word of God says something and we believe this to be the inerrant word of God, true in in every sense from the beginning to the end in its original context, then we need to recognise that if we disagree with this, then something isn't quite right. And I believe this is the word of God. I believe that at the end of my life that I will be held accountable by these words. And God isn't going to be interested in my life as far as what I have done. But I believe he's going to be interested in whether I have done what he has called me to do. Because we can be really, really busy doing stuff and miss the point of what he's called us to do. So study, study the word of God. If you want to know what he wants you to do, Study it. Spend extra time. <coughs> Excuse me. Spend extra time in the morning. Maybe it means waking up a little earlier. I know winter time is not the easiest time to wake up, but wake up. Get out of bed. Don't lay in bed and pray, because you know what happens. But study the word of God. If you are interested in growing spiritually, you need to know the word of God. Not just read it. (coughs) Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of God... Excuse me let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord in other words if we desire new wisdom if we desire new understanding or we want desire to allow the word of god into into our life or the bible into the word of god into our into our spirit Reading and studying the word is essential. It's the word of God that teaches us and admonishes us when we need correction. (coughs) It's getting worse, isn't it? Through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Thank you. You can take them. I've just had a really bad week of flu and cold, so today's a good day. That's why it's really important that we begin the work of preparing our hearts to receive the message. When when we start to read and study the Word of God, even on a Sunday morning when we come into church services, can I encourage you to be here for the song part of it? It it prepares our heart. It the psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, part of that. It it does something for us and begins to prepare our hearts for what God is going to say. It's important. Make it a habit to really study the Word of God. Not just read it through and then promptly forget what you've read. Hebrews 4 tells us for the Spirit or for the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God will begin to divide you into where God wants you to be, fine-tune you and direct you. It's the word of God, and he will use it to discern our thoughts. Begin to the way that we think, the things that we do, God will use the word of God to direct us in those things. And as I said before, this book is going to be the book that you and I are going to be held accountable to when we come face to face with Jesus Christ. He's already given us fair warning, by the way. If you think it's not fair that he should judge you on a book, his word, he's given us fair warning that that's what's going to happen, so we can either accept that or deny it. That's your choice, my choice. If we want to live our own life and do our own thing, we've been given fair warning. We have no no reason to... To think that we're being treated unfairly on that. So, if it's not what you're used to, studying the word of God, I encourage you to start in, in some books in the New Testament, perhaps the book of John. It's fairly concise, but it's, it's a wonderful book, the book of John, or, or the book of Philippians. Just begin to work at some of those books. Maybe you want to start reading some of the Psalms. Just to get it into your spirit, study it. <coughs> Secondly, let's pray. Now that again, that sounds really obvious and really quite simple. And um, but I'm constantly amazed at my own lack of ability to pray effectively. Can I say it that way? I I, I don't always find praying easy. Circumstances in life dictate that to some degree, which I'm disappointed to admit to you, but that happens. It's a bit of a confession from your pastor, but I too get caught out from sometimes just praying because I pray. I'm the pastor, so what's the pastor supposed to do? He's supposed to pray. You ask the pastor to pray before a meal. Oh, the pastor's here. Let's, uh, let's ask him to say grace. That's my job when I go to a wedding or something. It's, uh, he's here. And it can become superficial. And I, I don't want it to be that way. I want every time that I begin to talk to my heavenly father to be a special conversation. So when I talk about prayer and, and saying that if we are serious about growing, I'm talking about being serious in our prayer life not just quoting some prayer from somewhere or you know thinking about something and saying it's it's not like that but to have a conversation with my heavenly father that is going to bring intimacy and love into a relationship that only he can do and I want to encourage you to learn to pray Learn to love to pray. It needs to become a daily habit for us as an individual. Developing a regular habit is essential for our spiritual growth if we're serious about growing. And it's really just simply talking to God. It's not any fancy words, it's not any involved prayer language or anything like that necessarily. It's... It really is a communication with God. He is simply looking for us to be genuine in our desire to communicate with him and he will pour out himself upon us when that takes place. He will lead you in your prayer. He will guide you. The Holy Spirit's role in all of this is to guide us in what we ought to pray for even when you don't know how to pray your spirit will know how to pray because of the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you God is simply looking for us to be genuine in our desire to communicate with him just like any physical relationship needs communication to be healthy our spiritual lives with God our Heavenly Father Need to have communication. We can't think that we can just wake up, thank God it's morning. Oh, sorry, thank you, God, that it's morning. It's it's not like that. We got to be. We need to start being serious about our prayer life, even if we feel like we can't do it. Just it it's about doing it. I was, I was having a conversation last night with. With Romi, actually, and he's not here this morning; he's away. But we were talking about our children, grandchildren, and and I think um, I haven't actually checked this with Jasmine. But anyway, I'm going to talk about Jasmine. Um, he said when she was a little girl that he would just he would play the saxophone, the tenor sax, and he would just leave it there, and she would as come past and touch it and feel it, and the more that it was there, the more that she started to, to do things and started to learn. And I think as I thought about that last night and thought about that even again this morning, it's about having it in our lives that actually starts us to think about those things. My other granddaughter, which most of you haven't, well don't know, but Sunny's here this morning. She has a little bike, a little balance bike that she loves riding. And I know that um, she's probably better at it than I am. But she's, not, she's just two, just turned two in April, but she can do all this balance bike thing down over bumps and grass and stuff like that and it's because it's there. If it wasn't in her life, she wouldn't be able to do that. Can I just say, if you want to learn to pray, just pray. You don't have to be a special person to pray. You, you just pray. And if it's there... It will come. It might not be good at the beginning, but it will come. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6 says. It says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And when we pray... Paul tells us that we should pray with thankfulness. Thankful for the grace that has been given to us, that has been extended to us, but also pray thankful for the protection and the guidance through the Holy Spirit that happens to us every single day. It's telling us that prayer is not simply something we should be doing, but it should be the first thing that we do in every situation. Rather than getting anxious about things and worried about things, present them to the Lord in prayer. And Jesus tells us in Matthew seven that in Matthew seven, seven, eight he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus tells us it's okay to be specific in our prayers. It's okay to be specific. We spoke about it the other week. When we ask according to his will, we will receive it with God's blessing. But we sometimes read those verses and we think that we can just will things into God and tell him what we want and he'll give them to us. But, but God is a good father and just as you, I know, will be good parents, you know not to just give everything that your child asks for to them. It's just not good for them. Even though they think it is, it's not. You're the parent and so as a parent, we have a job to parent And God is our God and as God he has a job or a role to play in our lives to be God and to stop us and hold us back and to encourage us and to direct us and we need to be a child of God in the sense of just allowing him to do those things that he needs to do in order for us to be able to grow. He may well hold us back on some of the things that we ask for in prayer but it's not because he doesn't like us. Or he doesn't want us to enjoy life. It may be just because it's not good for us at the moment. Or it might not be good for us ever. And he's just going to say no. He's being a good dad. A good God. Because he wants us to enjoy life. We need to pray and ask specifically. We need to be regular in our prayer. We need to be spontaneous in our prayer time. And regular by setting a time aside each day or making commitment to be one of our corporate prayer meetings on on a weekday. We have one on a Sunday morning here at 8.30. Just turn up. If the door's close, it's usually because everyone's too noisy. No, it just bust in. On a a Tuesday evening, 6 o'clock, come along. There's a group that meet here on Tuesday evening, on on a Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Just drop in. And enjoy corporate prayer together. We don't have to wait for the pastor or the leader to turn up. We can pray. And God desires a relationship with each one of us that's real and personal. Thirdly, we need to attend church. Now again, that might seem really quite obvious, but there are many who don't see the need to be attending church. And I've spoken with some even the last few weeks. Not from our church necessarily, but just Christian people who think, I don't need to go to church. I don't need it in order to grow. But I would challenge you that. I would challenge anyone who felt like that. You might be able to watch an evangelist or or some preacher on television, which is what most of them would say they would do. Or listen to a podcast or even sit at home and watch a service just because you can. But coming to church, coming to corporate gathering like this, is not always about you. It it may be that you being here will bless somebody else. It may be that your presence might be an encouragement to another group of people. And by you not being here, that blessing doesn't happen. Can I encourage you? If you want to encourage your pastors, the best thing you could do is be here on a Sunday morning. And that's the honest truth. There is nothing more discouraging than half the church missing. And I know sometimes it's necessary because of sicknesses and those sorts of things. But it's encouraging to to us as pastors when we see people who are here eager to hear and respond to the word of God. I want to encourage you to do that. It's not always about you. And while you might be blessed, and I pray that you do get blessed by coming to church, because that's what, what needs to happen. We we want a blessing. But part of our own spiritual growth is the way that we can be a blessing to other people. And being an encouragement to them. We become a regular attender of our local church. Others can be blessed by the things that you say by the things that you do or simply by just being here. And for myself, one of the greatest things, as I said, you can do is to be a blessing to me. And I I know Jasmine to be the same and other pastors that are here from time to time is to just be here. And when you're not here, there's a hole in our family And you're missed. Even though someone might not say something to you specifically, you're missed. And it's noticed. And Hebrews 10 tells us that we need to consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, not giving up meeting together as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another or exhorting one another so that the more, so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. In other words, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that as we draw near to the day when Jesus is coming back, we should be more intentional about meeting together. We should be more encouraging to each other and watching out for each other. We should be more intentional about how we spend time ...with each other and encouraging one another. Not trying to separate ourselves into our own little isolation boxes. We need to recognise that. We need to grow spiritually. In order to grow spiritually we need encouragement from one another... ...and motivation to express the love and good works... ...so that we can encourage one another to do those things. And Jesus tells us that in the last days it's going to be really difficult... And you're going to need one another. And you're going to need, I need you, you need me. False prophets, Matthew 24 tells us, and false Christs, if that were possible, will rise up in the last days. And they will show great signs and great wonders and people will be mystified by them and they will be drawn to them. But the word here that you need to recognize is the word false. And what their job is or what they will do, it says, and the wonders they will, they, to deceive people. And if it were even possible, they were trying to deceive those who, of the elect or those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're going to try and do, is to deceive you into thinking that you don't need what you've got in Jesus Christ. So it's really important for you to have the encouragement and support of fellow like-minded believers who are able to encourage you and all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Second, fourthly, we need to witness if there's one area that most of us struggle with, it's this one, I believe. There are some of us here who have a gift of evangelism and find it easy and there are others who don't. And it's not just something we should leave for the gifted. I want us to hear that right here. If, if you feel that you have not got a gift of evangelism, great. That's fine because God has gifted you in other areas. But just because we do not have a natural gift of evangelism does not mean that we should not be witnesses of Christ in how we live our lives. It isn't even an option for us, for the Christian, because if we read Jesus' words carefully we find that he wasn't just talking to a group of educated trained evangelists when he said this in acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says he says you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth witnessing doesn't have to be an organized program or an event in fact it's most It's better used not to be like that in some ways. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians that we are ambassadors for him and we as ambassadors are to allow Christ to work through us. We are representing him wherever we go. We are his witnesses in our society. Most of us are eager to talk about things that excite us and I hear those conversations. We talk about stuff that's happened to us Rob's been so enthusiastic this week about talking about his hand. Maybe not. But why aren't we so excited about talking about Jesus Christ? I think it's because we don't know how the other person's going to receive it. And we're a bit worried about that. We don't want to offend them or get upset with them or or them get upset with us. But 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of Christ, should be shone upon them. In other words, Satan has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. And so when we start to talk about things of God, light, it won't make any difference to them. It will feel like they're not getting it sometimes. Our role is to be a light to, a witness Sorry, to the light of the world. Our, our role is to be a witness to the light. It's to be a witness to the grace of God and the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. Matthew 10, we're told, Jesus says, do not worry about what you should speak about when you come to these times. He says, do not worry or what you sh- how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour when you speak. It's, it's not you who speaks, he says, but it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. And so you can be an effective witness of Jesus Christ without having any real education, so to speak. We're called to do that. We're going to look a little bit more in detail in November in this whole area, so I'm not going to get any more than that, but I want you to recognize that. Lastly, obedience, and perhaps that's the one that's being attacked most strongly in our culture. If you're serious about your spiritual growth, we need to be stop doing what he asks us not to do and start doing what he asks us to do. That's the bottom line of this. Stop doing what he says not to, start doing what he says to. He's given us free will, I understand that. And free will is a wonderful gift. In fact, it's, it's, we need free will in order to receive Jesus Christ but it can also be the easiest area of our life for Satan to manipulate. Satan uses this choice that we have, this free will that we have, for us to call into question who God is and if God is really who he says he is and if God is best for us. Happened back in Genesis 3. Most of you would know that Genesis 3 Satan's talking with Adam and Eve and he says has God really said that you can't eat from every tree in the garden and Eve says no of course he didn't say that we might eat the fruit of the trees in the garden but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden we can't eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil and what is Satan saying or well, Eve says we'll die if that happens and Satan says no you won't You're not going to die because God knows that if you eat the tree of the fruit of that tree, you're going to understand all these things. You're going to know right from wrong. You're going to be like God. He was manipulating free will. He was manipulating choice. And he still does that to you and I. He challenges us in when the word of God says that this is what it says, we think, well, that's not fair. That's not right. How can we do that? How can you be loving to that kind of person? Or, or why would God not allow that sort of person into the kingdom of heaven? God can't be a real good loving God if, if if he's bringing judgment and justice like that. That's Satan manipulating the word of God. He convinced Eve to disobey God and he continues to do that with you and I. We are constantly being attacked on what we should and what we shouldn't do. So much so that outside of the Christian faith, there are those who believe that Christianity is just a bunch of, of things, of rules that we have to obey or, or do's and thou shalt's and thou shalt not's, is what it used to say. A bunch of rules. You've got to go to church. You've got to pray. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to be nice to people. You can't drink. You can't party. You can't have fun. And there are people who think like that. But obedience to God is the greatest of freedoms that we have. It releases us from the choices that we have. It, it actually guides us down the path of righteousness so that when we are obedient to the word of God, it frees us from all the problems of disobedience. We don't have to rely on our own strength to work out whether this is right or wrong because we, we have the strength of the Holy Spirit in us guiding us to what's true and what's right. It doesn't mean that everything works out well for you and I. It doesn't mean that you won't have problems. It doesn't mean that things won't go wrong because they will because we live in a world where Satan is in control of those sorts of things. But we will have victory and we will and do have the power through Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is uncomfortable. It takes effort and it takes persistence And it's true that there are things that you are going to be confronted with in this life every single day. But as a Christian, it's not about doing the good things. It's it's even more than doing the right stuff. It's not even doing stuff that's legal. It's, It's not saying, oh, well, I'm allowed to do that because... It's legal. Or, you know, I'm allowed to go to parties because I'm over 18. Or I go to a, a, a club or something because I'm over 18. Or I'm allowed to do that. It's more than that. As a Christian, it's irresponsible to filter things through what Paul says is the filter. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. And not all things edify me. So I want to finish right there. In other words, this is a decision between what's right and what's best, or what's good and what's best. The way that you live your life isn't going to be right and wrong. Well, it will be, but they're not the hard choices. The hard choices are between what's good and what's best. All things are permissible, but not everything's beneficial. You're allowed to do these things, but are they the really best things for you as a Christian? So growing growing spiritually is uncomfortable and at times you're going to find that it's really, really hard but I promise you it is worth it. You'll be criticised because of it. People will even call you things and other Christians will even misunderstand you. Your motives will be called into contention. You'll be criticised. Friends will sometimes turn away from you. You'll be left alone. But I promise you it's worth it. And when those things do happen, can I just say, let's love them. Just, just love them. Don't criticise them back. Don't get angry with them. Don't get frustrated. Don't get upset, but just love them. Don't retaliate. Pray for them and let God do the correcting in their lives. And he will. He will. Our job is to grow spiritually, to become disciples who make disciples. And as a church... We are to be a church that multiplies ourselves until the transforming love of Jesus Christ is shown throughout this land. That's our purpose. So let us grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Saviour. Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your love, your care, your mercy and your goodness. But I pray now that as we move on in through the rest of this service that you would just guide us and direct us, help us to recognise our need to grow spiritually. To not take it for granted, to not expect that it's just going to happen without us being conscious of it and putting things into practice. And I pray that not just these habits but other things will become in very much a habit in our lives to be able to grow us and encourage us to become the people that you want us to be. So thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. I've asked your blessing upon these people here now. May your name be honoured always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.